listening to Female VC Lab, a podcast that showcases the journeys of female investors. My name is Barbara Bickham, and I am an award-winning CTO and VC that teaches companies and investors about emerging technology. I am sitting down with female VCs and investors to talk about their funds, how they invest, and how they make an impact. Welcome to the Female VC Lab. I'm here with Caroline in one line. Give me your name, your title, and the name of your fund. My name is Caroline Lewis. I'm the managing partner of Rogue Women. So Caroline, what inspired you to become a venture capitalist or an investor? Yeah, like some of the people that you've had on before, I had a kind of a roundabout way of getting into venture. I think I had my own personal North Star moment. I was working in all places in West Virginia. That's a story for another time. But I was working there and I was working for her third company that she had started. And she asked if I wanted to help her start her fourth. I was young, hungry. I had no idea what I was doing. And I just said yes. And then I fell in love with entrepreneurship and kind of the startup life. I fell in love with being the person that's doing the accounting, sourcing products from China, cold calling hospitals. We're in the healthcare product business. And for me, I also got to see at that time how she employed over 400 people, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in a smaller place, it is really meaningful. And my own Mm -hmm. personal North Star of seeing how being part of entrepreneurship, innovation, building companies and building jobs really financially empowered people and gave them that that self-confidence in their own life of contributing. And I fundamentally believe that through innovation and entrepreneurship, we can change communities. Fast forward, I ended up on the West Coast, had my own gum MBA, started a company, shut it down, went to tech consulting, ended up working at Nike. And throughout that process, I met Thomas Berry, who's the managing partner of Rogue Ventures, which Rogue Women has spun out of. And he, I found him and I said, I want to learn everything I can from this guy. I want to start angel investing. I want to get closer to my North Star of helping um, startups. And so I would just harass this guy. I would take him out to breakfast and tell him what I was seeing in the markets and tell him what I was thinking about investing in and ask him to essentially for all his advice and wisdom. And after doing that for a little bit and making some of my own first angel investments, he they were raising funds three and he asked if I wanted to come on board. So that's how I got into VC, I, I don't know that I necessarily thought that venture capital was, and it certainly is not the only route to innovation and entrepreneurship, but I found that it can be incredibly impactful. And so really happy to be here in the, the VC space and specifically now a fund focused on investing in women. Wonderful. So you touched a little bit on your thesis, but what is your thesis and the motivation behind your thesis? Yeah. So it's a continuation of the of the story I was just sharing in the sense that When I came on board with Rogue had been investing since 2011, investing in undercapitalized founders really defined by geography at that time. Rogue is a fund out of the Pacific Northwest. And this was uh, end of 2017, beginning of 2018. 
when Tom, when I came on board, Tom said, Hey, you know, the numbers, when we look at the numbers of investing in women are really shitty. I don't know. I didn't ask if I could swear on this podcast, but I'm going for it because it's, it's who I am. I got a little bit of that. It's all right. Um, I can edit that. Out. Anyway, I'll- he said, I really want to do something when it comes to investing in women. I would love if you could see what's out in the landscape, put a strategy together that you think is going to be effective and also leverages rogue strengths. So I took about six months to understand the landscape, look at the numbers, and some pretty stark numbers came about. Only 2% of all venture capital is going to women. I think it bumped mm-hmm. up to 29 and now it's back to 2% in 2021. And then also really looked at that macro aspect, right? So looking mm-hmm. at our public markets, I believe the numbers are around 60% of all public companies were venture-backed at one point. 80% mm-hmm. of the tech companies were venture-backed at one point. So really realized that if we weren't giving companies at the earliest start a chance led by mm-hmm. diverse individuals, it's very difficult for them to even become those public companies that really shape our society and make up our retirement portfolio. So for me, mm-hmm. as I was doing this research, looked at accelerators, incubators, I, I became so much more committed to why this needs to happen, not just because it's the right thing to do, but really because I truly believe it's beneficial for our society to give these starting companies a chance at the earliest stages. And when I looked at what was in the market, that first institutional check is very challenging for women founders, for all founders, 100%. but especially women founders. There's not a lot of funds in the current market that are willing to lead in that space as well. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of funds that have that. I'm very lucky. I have two partners that have been investing for since 2011 and even before that. So two partners that have a lot of investing experience that adds a ton of value, especially to that early stage company Mm -hmm. and have had a co-investor network for the past 10 years that they've developed. So said, hey, I really want to take rogue strength. And you guys have always invested in undercapitalized founders. Let's just define undercapitalized founders by demographics, specifically gender, and apply everything that we do to really helping that early stage female founder. They were completely on board. And also as part of that, I wanted to make sure that we got more women into this asset class. And I know there's quite a few organizations that are doing great jobs doing that, but we made it that we wanted a separate fund for three main reasons. First and foremost, we believe that if you want to make change, you have to be extremely intentional about it. And we wanted to go out on a limb and say, we believe that backing women is not just the right thing to do, but it's going to make a huge financial return. It's a good market arbitrage opportunity, especially in the current market that we're in. In addition, we wanted to invest earlier than our main fund did. And we also wanted to make sure that as part of this investment thesis, we wanted 50% of our LPs to be women. And many of the women in my network were um, new to the VC asset class. Mm-hmm. And the typical 250 minimum was a, a pretty big stretch for someone who's just new to the asset class. Right. So we want to have a more reasonable minimum for them. To, so that was the genesis of the Rogue Women's Fund, how it has evolved a little bit moving forward into Rogue Women's Fund 2. So our thesis is we invest in women-led tech companies. So we don't really mm-hmm. do any consumer products. Women-led tech companies across the U.S. at the early seed stage. We define that as the company raising that 500 to 2 to $3 million round, has their product developed. Mm-hmm. maybe some revenue or line of sight to revenue. And we will come in, we can lead, we can co-lead, we can participate in the round um, and write a you know sizable check into that round. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, we're pretty generalists. Uh, we do have five areas of focus, equity tech, 
health tech with specific focus on women, what I call the archaic industry techs. So I think the commercial construction, insurance, some of those industries that haven't really been evolving. Experience tech. So that's really anything that's bridging the gap between the virtual and physical spaces in which we mm-hmm. live, work, and play. Mm-hmm. Um, and the caring economy. So the aging and child care spaces as well. Oh, interesting. That's interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So what are you currently learning or listening to or reading these days? Yeah, I think one of the, I think many of us who are on the VC side, especially if we've been operators or just even are the investing managers, I think we're always, the nature of VC is we're always thinking about the future and questioning Mm -hmm. how things are going to work and and really pushing kind of the boundaries of what exists right now. So for me, one of the things I do is just learn a lot from the people that are in my networks. I find that both on the entrepreneur side and investor Mm -hmm. side, there's so many brilliant people and how they're thinking about the world, how they're looking at the world, how they're pushing what can be possible. And I try to especially lean into areas that might feel a little more uncomfortable for me. I have some fintech investments, but I'm I'm not a deep expertise in fintech. So I lean Mm -hmm. into that. And I know, for example, you had Gail on your podcast and I know she is future work, right? So I try to tap into, you know, individuals who are hyper-focused in specific industries Mm -hmm. um, and or areas. Another thing that I have found to be really helpful in trying to learn and, and evolve, especially as it relates to what I'm investing in, is actually reaching out to really large corporations and their BD folks. What are they thinking oh, about? What are they looking for? Or their strategy team, right? Mm-hmm. So the corporate strategy team, um, reaching out to them. And you know, those are the people who are thinking five, 10 years out from a corporate perspective. So what are they seeing in the market? What are they thinking about? How are they thinking evolving things? I came again had a short stint at Nike and corporate strategy. There's a little part of me that kind of tries to tap into those different resources to learn and evolve how I'm thinking about the future and my own thesis. In addition, small things like my team's very close. We usually try to pick like a book a month that we're reading currently. It's not quite a book awesome. a month, but we're reading the Daily Stoic. My my partner hmm. got it for each one of us and it just has a daily reading. I highly recommend everybody look in the Stoic philosophy. And then other than that, I'm pretty, I, I develop obsessions. And so my current obsession is in blockchain and uh, crypto and Web3. So I'm, I'm pretty deep in that and on some Telegram and Discord chats. And a I'm also part of the, in that space. Yeah. And I'm also part of the Kaufman Fellowship and we have special interest group around climate tech, blockchain. And so I really, amazing speakers that come on. And so I really try to leverage those channels to, again, learn and, and be curious and learn from people who I consider experts. So those are some things other than that, podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. I have a little awesome. child, so that I don't have a lot of time for sitting down and reading a book, but I can listen. I love listening to your podcast. So thank you thank for having you. me on. Appreciate and that. I also um, love listening to the Acquired podcast. And they recently released an episode that combines kind of two of my passions, business and Taylor Swift. So that was oh. a good one too. <laughs> you mean how she she's recreating her masters or something? I mean, <laughs> there's that, a lot going on with Taylor some, Swift. That woman's got some business smarts on her. So. She does. She absolutely does. 100%. Yeah, it's one. Of, I'm not going to lie. It's one of my dreams. I hope that one day she invests in one of my funds. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'm putting it out in the universe. <laughs> Why not? Right. So yeah. here's the bonus question. Happens okay. to everybody. In two years, when we're talking again, but hopefully we'll be talking before that, how do you see investing or VC having evolved or changed? 
Yeah, it's really interesting because two years is not a long time, but sometimes a lot can happen. So even when I think about three years ago, the special purpose vehicles were still pretty cumbersome to start. But now, even with Angels List existing, but now you, I feel like there's a special purpose vehicle that started like every single day by someone in my network. I actually know one individual who does two a week and I think it's just crazy. And I bring that up only because I think they're, what we are seeing are more emerging managers, mm-hmm. diverse set of people coming into the VC asset class. It's going to take a really long time to change the, the fundamental dynamics. 100%. Especially when it, huh? I said 100%. It will take yeah, a minute It's going to change, take a but... very long time. When we look at the LP dynamics and the funds that get the strongest allocation of funding. But I do think it's evolving. The rise of the solo GP has also been really strong. Two years from now, I, I like to think that the individuals who've been disciplined in our current market with their investing thesis and who are investing in highly capital efficient companies that are reasonably valued, it's not undervalued, but not the crazy overvalued. I actually think that those fund managers and those companies two years from now are going to really be standing out Mm -hmm. uh, because I do believe when we look at the macroeconomics specifically in the U.S., there will be a tightening and constricting. I think the benefit of a tightening and constricting market is it forces people who were loose with their cash or not as creative um, and not as disciplined. It forces them to be more disciplined, more creative, more innovative. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's going to have a really positive impact for those of us who have had demonstrated that discipline and or have been investing in companies that are have always had those constraints and now they those constraints people see those strong business fundamentals and not just the the kind of the hype game of investing mm-hmm. and so I believe that those companies will come out on top I'm hopeful for that. Wonderful. So how do people contact you? People can contact me at caroline at roguevp.com. I'm on Twitter, but not nearly as active. I'm more of a Twitter stalker. I'm also on TikTok. Um, Ooh, caroline TikTok. VC. Yeah. There's a few of us VCs on TikTok. Maybe I, I should we all know TikTok. each other. I'm telling you, I'm like, I'm not going to do that whole Twitter thing. I'm going to go straight to uh, TikTok. Maybe go straight actually, to video. Yeah. I actually found an investment on TikTok and oh. I did it. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Validated by some other things. Uh, it wasn't just a straight investment off TikTok, but I did no, do but, my due diligence. Um, and then on LinkedIn, of course. So I'm always open to whoever wants to reach out. I always try to get back to people. All right. Thank you so much, Caroline from Rogue Venture Partners for being my guest on the Female VC Lab podcast. Thank you, Barbara, so much for having me. I love this podcast. Thank you. Appreciate that. This episode is brought to you by Trail and Ventures. Find and invest in the next billion dollar emerging tech company. Sign up for our exclusive content at https colon slash slash trailin T-R-A-I-L-Y-N dot com to find out more. Find us on Apple on Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening.